chapter 4. And we'll be reading from uh, verse 14 in a moment or two. But, of course, we're, we've been in a, in a series this Christmas uh, on uh, the uh, four names in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And, uh, of course, we've uh, looked at the others. And this morning we're finishing with Wonderful uh, Counselor, the first name uh, in that list. What does it mean for Jesus to be a wonderful counselor? We live in a, in a world, of course, don't we, uh, with plenty of, of trouble, uh, and maybe you don't want to think about it today, uh, and uh, we can maybe forget about it today, uh, in among the, the tinsel and the turkey and the king's speech and the quality street and whatever. But maybe the truth for you is that it has been a difficult time this year. Maybe you've had a serious breakdown in, in a family relationship, um, maybe heels have been dug in and, and it's not an inch from you and it's not an inch from them. Perhaps your mental health has struggled to recover after the lockdowns in recent years. Maybe your marriage is hanging by a, a thread and, 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 and no one really knows and you don't expect it to last beyond, I don't know, February, but, but today you have to keep up appearances. Or maybe it's the fact that someone you love is unwell and it's not yet known, it's undiagnosed and, and it's niggling at you all the time. Or worse still, someone you had with you last Christmas isn't here this Christmas. And the difficulties are there. But people in difficulty often seek help, isn't that right? And there are all sorts of counselors out there who are available to help. And that's a good thing. It's good to live in a world where we can avail of such things. Marriage counselors, grief counselors, relationship counselors, post-traumatic stress counselors, all sorts of counselors. Christian counselors who are broadly Christian in a sense, or biblical counselors who are a little more specifically Bible-based in, uh, in their approach. As I said, we've been looking at four titles uh, for the coming king in Isaiah chapter 9 uh, this Christmas. This uh, new king who, who will have the government upon his shoulder, he comes to rule. And we have effectively looked at them in reverse order, Prince of Peace, uh, Tim Houston looked at, at that early in December, Everlasting Father, and that was last Sunday morning. And then Mighty God, we looked at at the carol service. But what does it mean when Isaiah says, 700 years before the coming king, that he would be the wonderful counselor? Well, firstly, I want to tell you that it means that he understands. When it comes to the need for someone to help you in your need, what you don't want is someone who's sort of textbook only who's never really lived in the real world, who can sort of give you trite answers. Someone who is about as practical as wishing it could be Christmas every day, as the song goes. When you meet someone uh, who has been through it, uh, not someone who, who can't imagine it, well, well, that makes all the difference, doesn't it? That makes all the difference. Jesus is a great counselor because he understands, because he's been here and he's lived here. In fact, he's seen the thick end of struggle on planet Earth. He was born into the squalor of a borrowed stable, as the carol goes. You see, he wasn't born into privilege. He was born into poverty. I know we, we make it nice with these nativity scenes, you know, lovely in shop windows in the, in the high street or outside of churches here and there with, with well-behaved animal scenes and nice scented candles but the truth is, the truth be told, it's not nice. It's smelt of animals and, and the inevitable result of keeping animals. It smelt no different in the first century than it does in the 21st century, such a place. 
There was nothing, of course, nice about delivering a baby in an animal shelter. Barns, of course, don't come with complimentary midwives. They never have. And being without a midwife and relying on Joseph was no more ideal in the first century than it is in the 21st century, if you can imagine such a thing. Mary and Joseph were not average. They were poor. The Jewish people, of course, were, were poor in general. Uh, they lived at a time when they were under occupation by the Romans uh, with high taxes, and, and, uh, and they, they, weren't, they weren't well off. They weren't able to flourish in, in that environment economically. And, and Mary and Joseph, well, they're poorer than most because they offered the poor man's offering when it came to the option that they had at the temple. Jesus wasn't born into privilege, but he didn't live in, in privilege either. He was looked down on by the educated and the wealthy. In his 30s, he was effectively homeless. He said that the Son of Man does not have a place that he may lay his head in both Matthew and Luke. His friends left him and ran off when he was and he was sneered at by passers-by as he hung to his death on the cross. And when he died, he had no possessions, no reputation, and no friends. He's at the thick end of struggle on planet Earth, isn't he? And of course, for those of us who find life difficult, well, that really helps. For as a counselor, he understands. He's faced many of the worst things that the world can throw at a person, which means that he can be a reliable guide to, to you and I. Let me read Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16. Since then, let me give the AV uh, a second. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The path of pain, Jesus says, I've endured it. Loneliness, I know about that, he says. Temptation, oh yes, I faced it. Heartache, I've been on that road too. He understands. Secondly, to be a wonderful counselor means that he has insight. He has insight. Wonderful is a word that I use too often. I admit that to you. I've got all, uh, I've got all my orders finished, Cherith says, and I respond with, wonderful. I've got 10 out of 10 on my Friday test, says one of my daughters. I say, wonderful. And as good as it is, those are things are not wonderful. Because wonderful means full of wonder. It's a bit like the way our American friends like the term awesome a bit too often. Because awesome is a word that really should be reserved for things that really are filled with awe. Awesome. Wonder is a word that you should reserve too, and so should I. It's not for nice news or having a good day sort of experience. Certainly not if you're on the same lines as Isaiah chapter 9, that is. Wonder here is a word that means extraordinary or supernatural. It means out of this world. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. And so Isaiah either means that he, this is a supernatural sort of counselor or one who has supernatural sort of counsel. And of course, Jesus is both. He's a supernatural counselor. 
As we spoke about at the carol service last week, he is God in the manger. He is mighty God. He's the one whom angels worship and revere. He's the one by whom all things were made. He's the one from the Father's side, face to face with the Father, as John 1 teaches us. He's not uh, a created one. He is creator. He is the supernatural counselor, for he comes from, from heaven, from the ivory palaces, from the other realm entirely. He's out of this world, for he comes from another world, you could say. But the wonder of today is that he's also in our world. He is a supernatural counselor. But he also brings with him supernatural counsel. Israel, of course, had, um, had wise kings. Uh, chiefly, of course, when we think about that, we think about Solomon, King Solomon, very wise. It was said in 1 Kings 3, And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. They were in awe. It was awesome, because it came from God, his wisdom. In Isaiah's day, there's a bit of a contrast in play here. Because King Ahaz, uh, who's spoken about in Isaiah chapter 7, uh, that's the bit immediately before, uh, the bit that we always read at Christmas. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. Uh, The bit before that, we don't often read, uh, it mentions King Ahaz. Ahaz was clever, but he was not wise. And he went down as an evil king of Judah. And they, of course, had more than a fair share of such foolish kings. And the trouble, of course, is that as a, as a king, the decisions that you make don't just affect you, they affect the entire kingdom. Think about Putin. So wisdom is important indeed for kings and rulers. Hezekiah was Ahaz's son. He was a successor, and he goes down as a pretty decent enough king in, in terms of the, of the, the pecking order in those days. He he brought in plenty of God-honoring reforms, Hezekiah. But Hezekiah makes one major mistake. The Babylonians come to visit. Perhaps he was flattered by this. Uh, He wants to impress them. Of course he does. But he shows the Babylonian embassy all the wealth. Kind of walks them up and down it and says, look at this. Look what we've got. All the arms, all the stores of Jerusalem. And he reveals too much to King Baladan of Babylon. And it's not long before they're back this time to take it with them. But this one king is wise. He has heavenly insight. He has other insight. He has a creator's eye view on his creation. And what does he make of the human condition? What does he say about the trouble here that we're in in planet Earth? What does he say about its source? Listen to the piece of wisdom that Jesus, the counselor, says, Matthew 15, verse 10, and he called the people to him and and said to them, hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Jesus is bringing counsel. Now, he isn't aloof or distant, of course. This is not textbook. He's come down. At this point, he's in the middle of experiencing life on earth. He understands. And he says, see all that trouble you face? All that anguish and stress and difficulty. It's not just a problem outside of you. It's not just circumstances or upbringing or people around you upsetting your life or getting uh, on your wick. All that defiles you, all the bad is not from out there. It's inside, he says. 
We think the trouble is outside and the solution is inside. We can sort of achieve inner peace. We can find ourselves in Tibet or something or by doing a bit of manifesting or I don't know what the the recent thing is. Jesus says precisely the opposite. Jesus says the trouble is inside and the solution is outside. Now, there's trouble outside too, of course. There's no denying that. But that's not the real source of your issues, Jesus says. A counselor, if he or she is good at, at their job, will try to take you back to the source of your problems. Isn't that right? Now, this may be painful. It may be painful to drag up the past like that. But it's necessary pain because the counselor knows that if they don't fix that, they fix nothing. This wonderful counselor, he understands. He has insight. And finally, he has power. You have to understand the limitations when you visit a counselor, don't you? They're always going to be limited. There's only so much they can do. They're limited by their own ability, limited by how deep uh, she is able to go in terms of finding the problem. He may be a great listener, but there's only so much he can do. She may have lots of experience, but she can't walk you through life. For she's all her clients and appointments to take. She's her own family, in fact, to take care of. But this wonderful counselor that Isaiah promises as the king, he's not so limited. He has, he has power. He puts on display his power when, when, he, when he fixes problems that he met when he walked on the earth. Have you ever noticed that the miracles of Jesus were never just for the sake of it? He never said to Peter, would you like me to make you fly? That might be fun. No. No, no, the people were always in need. Every miracle started with a problem. Disease or hunger or loneliness or even death itself. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He brings in a huge catch of fish. He casts demons out of the helpless cases. He even gives sight to Bartimaeus and brings the widow's son amazingly back to life. Big problems. And each time Jesus enters into the problem with the power and he acts to transform it. The miracle of the virgin conception. Think about it. The miracle of God made flesh that we're thinking about today. The miracle of Christmas is of course necessary because of the problem of the world. Because the world is filled with people, you and I, who are sinners. We don't want to follow God and his his ways. We would rather follow our own way. and, And blame everybody else for the problems. Everyone does it. Hebrews 4.16, we read it there, says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You say, can he do that for me? Can, Can he heal my sick relative? Can he heal that family rift? Can he fix my broken marriage? Well, he can. But there's a bigger issue at the core and he has to go deep, Jesus. He has to go deep. He may deal with these things. He certainly can. He, he, has, he doesn't lack the ability or the power. He showed that during his time on earth. But they're more symptoms than cause. More symptoms than root cause. The real cause is sin and the, in the world, and you need him to deal with your part in it. Every counselor is limited. But Jesus is not limited. Every counselor is also su- subject to the willingness of those who are in front of him. Are they willing to to listen, to take the solution on board? Or or maybe your your husband's dragged you in there to the marriage counseling uh, and you're no more interested. You've given up already. 
Or perhaps you're there to look like a reformed character to get out of prison on early release and they've sent you to counseling. You're not really interested. Are you willing to listen to the need to go back to that moment to go back to your teenage years when that horrible thing happened. See, the wonderful counselor will do nothing for the unwilling, the, the half-hearted, the disinterested, the, the what-can-I-get-without-being-too-committed sort of person. No, you have to draw near, Hebrews says. You have to come to Jesus to draw near to find mercy uh, and receive mercy and find grace in time of need. You have to trust him. You have to entrust your life to him. You have to be all in with Jesus. And it's a wonderful thing for that to happen because it really puts the wonder into Christmas when it does. When you realize that the problem is me. You know that Taylor Swift song? I'm the problem, it's me. And you say, yes, King Jesus, I need you. I turn from my own way to live for you. I will follow you. The third verse of From the Squalor goes like this. Filled with power and the Holy Spirit. Filled with mercy for the broken man. Yes, he walked my road and he felt my pain. Joys and sorrows that I knew so well. Yet his righteous steps give me hope again. I will follow my Emmanuel. You see, when you follow him, then the, the carols, well, the Christmas carols, they, they, they sound proper. They sing proper. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let me receive my king. My hopes and fears of all the years are met in you tonight. You can sing them proper. Jesus, when he was alive and speaking to his disciples, promised to send someone who referred, he referred to as a, a, another helper or another counselor. He mentions him in John 14. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Another means of the same substance or, or essence in the original. You see, when Jesus went back to heaven 50 days later, he, he sends another, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus himself to come and deal with us on the inside, essentially giving us himself, and permanently so. The King, who is the pr Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, mighty God, and the wonderful Counselor, comes to, to transform you with all the power that he needs to do that, to transform you at your core. And know your problems won't all suddenly end. You'll still live with that human nature and in a world with people with human natures. But you have someone from heaven, someone from heaven in you to walk through life with you. The gift of Jesus is yours every day. And then it can be Christmas every day because he's your wonderful counselor. Let's sing um, from the squalor of a borrowed